This is an AMI podcast. I'm Kelly McDonald. I'm Ramia Amadin, and this is Kelly and Ramia. Such conflicting emotions, Kelly, from the last segment. I'm my mouth is still watering from the thought of all the snacks that I oh, nuggets, could be the getting. Nuggets. <laughs> but I'm also fuming at them taking away our favorite product. So what can I look, tell you? Look, I never realized, Grant, 400 soda drinks kinds. Like I didn't know Cola, Coca-Cola had that many. Like that blows my mind. Maybe in total since the 1800s when they started. Okay. But, you know, currently floating around at all these factories throughout the world. Wow. Yeah, that's a lot. I don't know how anyone could get through those even in a maybe a lifetime. I can kind of see cutting back on those maybe a little bit. Me too. Uh, Exactly. All right, Kelly, let's welcome in as we do at this time our veterinarian, Danielle Jeankind. Whether they provide us with companionship and income, food, or serve a critical role in the ecosystems that support us, animals are vital to human health. Have fun with us as we learn about animal-related topics and about the amazing bond we share with our animal friends. Hey, Danielle. Hi. We've got a pretty intense topic here today, so I'm just going to turn it right over to you, and uh, let's just dive right in. Okay, well, uh, today we're actually going to um, talk about, you know, the the topic of zoonotic disease. So, you know, if, if we have pets, you know, most of us don't really think much about possibly catching some kind of disease from them. Um, it can and does happen to some people, though. So, you know, um, we're going to talk a little bit about, you know, what we should know about the possibility of that, you know, what precautions that people can take to minimize these risks. And uh, we're kind of going to go through that today. So that's kind of what we're doing. Well- lot of awareness, I think, of illness and disease with, you know, the pandemic and all that's happened in the last several years. Do people and pets get sick with the same diseases? Well, you know, it's it's important to realize that all kinds of microbes are in our environment all the time. So, you know, whatever microbes or little critters that your pet is exposed to, you could be exposed to as well, since, of course, you share the same environment. And, you know, disease in any animal is caused by a complicated interplay of things, you know, um, So it's influenced by the number of microbes that initially invade the body, how good they are at dodging a body's defenses, um, the health of the body that they invade, and and how nasty the effects are when one of them manages to gain a foothold inside a body. So, you know, some species of microbes, they live peaceably together in and around bodies, and others are known to cause disease. So not every disease of an animal will cause diseases in humans, but, you know, we call any that do zoonotic diseases and of course those are the ones that can pass from an infected animal into a human and cause illness in the human too i remember um as a kid being fascinated with what that the wars must have been like inside a human or animal body because <laughs> of the descriptions when anyway i start thinking wow it must with like some battles and everything like that that are silent battles we don't hear we don't feel ourselves any reaction unless of course we're sick But when we get into the discussion about this, Danielle, what kind of microbes cause zoonotic diseases? 
Well, you know, I can think of examples from all the major classes of these microscopic things, you know, so in the virus category, you know, the worldwide outbreak of avian influenza is an example Mm. of a potentially zoonotic disease. Um, People have occasionally been infected with that, you know, Um, and of course, we know that the outbreak is worldwide in birds, not in people, but, you know, they have had instances where people have caught it from birds. Um, Mm. And I don't think any of us should ever forget about rabies virus, you know, Um, rabies is nasty in any animal, including people. Um, It's actually caused a lot of deaths worldwide, especially in places where there are not good vaccination programs against it. Um, We also see zoonotic disease from bacteria as well. Um, An example would be a condition called leptospirosis. And, um, you know, we also hear about some of these guys in the news too. So um, bacteria like Salmonella and E. coli, you know, those are bacteria that can infect animals and end up causing infections in people. Uh, Fungi are another source of zoonotic disease. So, you know, cattle farmers and people who live with cats may be familiar with a fungus that infects hair follicles that has the layperson's name of ringworm. It's uh, very contagious and people can get that one too. And the last category of things that cause zoonotic disease are not actually all microbes. Um, Some of these are large enough to see with the naked eye. And that's, of course, we're talking about parasites here. So fleas, mites, intestinal worms, intestinal microbes like Giardia and Cryptosporidium. You'll sometimes hear about crypto in the news when people get sick from infected drinking water. But, you know, since I know that crypto is an intestinal parasite of both humans and animals and it's transmitted via fecal material, you know, when I hear those stories, I get really grossed out. I'm like, oh, yuck. (laughs) How did that stuff get into the water? (laughs) Yes. Oh, I know, right? Yeah. (laughs) Rabies is, I guess we all kind of have our own personal one that sort of jumps out at at us. Rabies is like particularly scary to me just because I don't believe there's actually any test for it really that can be performed on live animals right you just literally have to just sort of guess one way or the other is i believe that's correct yeah Hold there on. there Such is confirmatory name. testing but it's oh is there oh, okay all right uh right exactly post-mortem but not not on on living beings i believe i could be wrong about that um so when we look at all these diseases, uh, how worried do you think we should be? Well, you know, we do see zoonotic diseases um, a fair, fairly commonly, actually. Um, of course, some of them more often than others. Parasites in pets are relatively common, especially in puppies and kittens. Um, I see that ringworm fungus in kittens occasionally and leptospirosis maybe a few times a year. I am eternally thankful that I personally have never seen an animal with rabies. And of Mm. course, E. coli bacteria often causes things like urinary tract infections. And I see it a lot in that context. Having said all of that, you know, there's no way for me to know how many people pick these problems up from their pets and then get sick because of them. And that would Mm. definitely be a question to ask a physician, not a veterinarian. But I think the take-home message here is to realize that these things are out there and, you know, we have to take reasonable precautions so you don't get sick with them very smart yeah and when we get on the reasonable precautions what can people do to prevent their their pets from getting these diseases that's that's where we got to start yeah and and of course you know there are some things you can do um so you can certainly ask your vet about a parasite prevention program for your pet 
Um, of course, some pets are more at risk for picking up parasites than others, depending on their lifestyle. Mm -hmm. So your vet can just sort of assess those risks depending on, you know, where your pet goes and what other animals they see. And they can make some recommendations for your pet that makes sense. Um, so, you know, they might recommend something like a monthly parasite treatment or a prevention product, for example. Um you can also make it far less likely for your pet to encounter parasites in the first place. So, you know, don't let them hunt or eat dead animals. Don't let them eat the feces of other animals. Um, letting them drink out of ponds, lakes, and rivers is a bad idea too. And if you take your pet to places where other pets are congregating, like a doggy daycare, for example, you know, make sure they have a policy that everybody in there is on some kind of parasite prevention program. Um, all of these measures are good advice for avoiding bacterial and viral infections as well. Um, leptospirosis is one that comes to mind that your dog can totally get from um, drinking contaminated water. Um, contaminated food is another way for your pet to become mm -hmm. infected with nasty yeah. bacteria and maybe sick with stuff that can infect you too. So that for that reason, it scares me when people feed pet diets or treats with raw meat in them, <laughs> you know, yeah, well, yeah, any yeah. food yeah. can potentially be contaminated. Research has shown that raw diets have a much higher chance of that being the case. Um, Another thing, of course, you can do is to have your pet vaccinated. You know, we certainly have excellent rabies vaccines for pets. There are leptospirosis vaccines for dogs. So if they have immunity to these things, you know, they'll be much less likely to get them, pass them on to their people. And, hmm. you know, the last thing I'd recommend is if you're planning on bringing a new pet into the house, that you isolate it from your other pets until your vet has had a chance to examine your new pet. Make sure everybody's dewormed and up to date on vaccines before you introduce them to the rest of the household, you know, and that I think is a really important thing. I was always very skittish about going to the dog park, you know, because it, it, it was such a great opportunity for the dog to play run around but man there are so many other animals running around with who knows what kinds of vaccination statuses and diseases uh <laughs> i always tell people it's kind of like sending your child to kindergarten it's great for them yeah. socially they <laughs> run off their energy they come home with everything <laughs> at least my yeah, kids they pick do. up so much well and danielle i wonder because i'm sitting here listening to you we go about the puddles and you think okay is some you know pet on a farm safer running around there without you know hey it's safe out here this is the only cat, dog cats or right? whatever uh that i know of kind of thing or within the city people let their home their their animals out for a little bit you know and their cats and dogs that kind of do roam and stuff like that and i would think probably the city in its own way i would think has its more dangers with the puddles and stuff but then again you get a lot of runoff a lot of things going into those puddles and animals on a farm too yeah, yeah, for sure. Like I say, you know, um, letting your animal um, drink out of groundwater sources is a little bit risky. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Oh, oh man. Uh, Daniel, as a veterinarian, you were would be much more likely, I would assume, to be exposed to this kind of zoonotic disease. What would be the precautions you would typically take to prevent getting sick yourself? 
Well, you know, um, we sure do take precautions and of course, so do the clinic staff. You know, um, if we suspect an animal might have a zoonotic disease, you know, we put on appropriate protective clothing. So lab coats and gloves. Um, we might also wear protective glasses if we're worried about aerosols getting into our eyes because of the infection. Um, during the pandemic, I always wore an N95 mask to work and honestly, I still do. Um, if you put the concerns of catching human respiratory diseases aside, the face mask actually had some unexpected advantages in preventing zoonotic disease for short little me. <laughs> I don't get dogs licking oh, me in the face right. and sometimes ah. on the lips anymore. <laughs> oh. So all my dogs out there, I love you guys, but that is just not okay. <laughs> <laughs> and it's of too bad they're not work. trained to say, coming in for a hug, Danielle. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> They're usually wagging their tails. I have forewarning, but I, I do a lot of dodging. <laughs> exactly. Not, not so good with boundaries, are they? <laughs> no, 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 for sure. And, you know, um, oh, we're, we're constantly washing our hands, you know, disinfecting the tables and the instruments in contact with every patient. And, of course, with the potential zoonotic disease that expands to every surface in the clinic that the patient or any of their body fluids might have been touching. So, you know, we're pretty careful about that. Okay. So what about the instructions you give clients uh, whose pets may have a zoonotic disease? Well, it varies a bit depending on what the pet has, of course, but, you know, we might tell them to how to clean up the environment to remove disease organisms from it. Um, that's really important with certain diseases mm -hmm. like that ringworm fungus and a parasite called Giardia. Uh, we also commonly describe how to handle pet waste safely and tell people not to sleep with their pets or allow them to lick their faces. Um, washing their hands after touching a pet or cleaning up after them and before handling food or sticking your fingers in your mouth, that's another recommendation we give out a lot. And, you know, we always tell people, you know, if you have specific questions regarding your own safety or the medical risks of keeping a pet, um, you should talk to your physician about it, you know. Um, funny story, but I actually did have one physician phone me once and ask about a disease of sheep that can cause skin lesions in people. And it was really great wow. to be able to help him find the information he needed on that. And I was thinking, wow, when there's overlap like that, you know, vets and doctors should totally work together more than oh. we do. You totally said. You totally said. Fantastic tips, Danielle. Great to keep in mind. Thank you so much for coming on. Thanks for having me. Danielle Junkind joins us weekly at this time for Ask a Veterinarian. Coming up next on a nutrition chat with Julia Caranches, we talk about seeds, the differences, and benefits of them. Stick with us. Stick around and learn something new. Kelly and Romeo return with more in a moment. Join us weekly for The Pulse with host Joita Gupta, who brings us closer to issues impacting the disability community across Canada. Watch The Pulse on YouTube or listen wherever you download your AMI podcasts.